Good evening, everybody. My name is Sean Bianco, and welcome to At the Opera, where every Saturday night I bring you an opera cover to cover, followed by opera potpourri. Uh, Before we get going to tonight's feature opera, I just want to say thank you. I get cards and letters and postcards here all the time uh, to the station, and I just want to say this last year I've gotten the most beautiful and heartfelt letters and cards from my listeners, so thank you. I got more today, actually. So just, I want to say thank you. I don't always personally write back to every single letter and card that I get. I just, it's hard to um, get around to that much uh, writing. But please know that I get all of your cards and letters, and please know from the bottom of my heart, thank you for them. They make me feel special. So <laughs> I just wanted to say that. I just got a lovely card uh, today, and it just really touched me. Um, anyway, I love doing the show. It's a big part of my life, and I just want to say thank you to everyone out there in Opera Land um, who listened to my program. I have all these years, almost 25 years, uh, for this opera show. And, um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, and it will continue to be a lot of fun. Tonight's feature opera, one of the big ones, one of the great dramatic grand operas, Giuseppe Verdi's La Forza del Destino, or The Force of Destiny. Now, I have played just about every major commercial recording of La Forza on this program over the years, but never this one. Tonight's recording is very, very special. The reason it's special is because back in the late 1930s, early 1940s, when record companies began to move away from the 78 record market and began to record when the technology existed, long playing or LP records uh, of opera. Uh, the opera company that did that, or the recording company rather, it was a, a company called Cetra over in Italy. They later had an American division which began to put out Cetra recordings here. And they were the first full length opera recordings with librettos, the full box set, all the bells and whistles. Uh, with great, great old, sca- uh, old school, uh, mainly, usually mainly Italian, ca- all Italian casts. But these were the first LP recordings. And when over the years, these catalogs got bought and sold and transferred, and eventually the Chetra catalog from the early 1940s got moved over to Warner Brothers, and they created a division called Warner Fontit, Fonit. And uh, so they took the original master recordings, and this was in Germany, I think, of all these old recordings from the 40s, and they remastered them, and they put them out on compact disc. And so these are very uh, beautifully transferred recordings uh, from the original masters. Tonight, we're going to hear the very first full-length recording of La Forza del Destino, recorded in mono in 1941, uh, that was ever made, that was ever done. Now, selections from La Forza had been done before, but this was the first from 1941. At first, I was, oh boy, I better preview this. You know, I don't want to play a recording that is not listenable. Trust me, it's listenable. I've played live archive recordings on this show far inferior to what you're going to hear tonight. Uh, 
uh, before. So you're really going to be in for a treat. And this is a studio recording, by the way. So tonight's opera, Forza, it's going to be great. You may not know a lot of these singers. I don't know a lot of these singers. A lot of these singers um, weren't household names, uh, but they were regulars on Chechere recordings back in the 30s, 40s, and early 50s. Uh, in fact, I mean, I do know a handful of these singers' names because I've seen them on other recordings. Uh, the most famous up here is Maria Canilia and Ebe Stenyani, who sings Preziosile, the gypsy. Uh, but many of these singers I've never heard of. And they're great. It's old school singing. It really is. The kind of singing you don't hear anymore. So I hope you enjoy the show. Uh, thank you to everybody who wrote in about last week's potpourri show. Um, it was a fun potpourri. Uh, you all enjoyed it, so thank you for that. And as always, if you have an, um, a suggestion for potpourri or for an opera or for a particular recording, like, for instance, I, got, I heard from one of my listeners that it's um, uh, Cheryl Milnes' birthday uh, coming up or just passed. I'll have to double-check. So tonight, after La Forza, we're going to play some Cheryl Milnes in honor of Cheryl Milnes' birthday, American Baritone. And that was a suggestion from one of my listeners. I can't keep track of all these birthdays. Are you kidding? That's too much to keep track of. Um, so I, I depend on you guys. So thank you. Um, you can always send me an email, sbianco66 at yahoo.com, or you can go through the website, capradio.org slash opera, a contact host button on the right. Okay. Enough of all that. You came here to hear opera. I can't wait to play this opera. I love this opera. It's great. You're going to love it. Okay, so La Forza del Destino, technically it's translated uh, from Italian into English, the power of fate. But it's often called the force of destiny. The la forza force del of destino destiny. So but it's often just in Italy, it's described as the power of fate. Giuseppe Verdi, the great composer of all time, Italian composer of opera, of course, Puccini as well. I won't hear my Puccini fans go, what? <laughs> uh, the libretto or the words for this opera was written by Francesco Maria Piave, uh, based upon a Spanish drama, Don Alvaro o la Frezza del Zino, of 1835, and uh, it was also there was some scenes from another um, Frederick Schiller uh, scene uh, adaptation, and it was um, finally coalesced and cobbled together. First performed, interesting enough, La Forza was first performed in Russia. Its first performance was in Russia, the Bolshoi Theater in St. Petersburg, on November 29, 1862. This opera is uh, very famous. This opera has many recordings. And this opera was mainly, for a long time, neglected, believe it or not. But the overture to this opera, the first music you're going to hear at the top of the show, the overture is extremely famous. I've played it on potpourri shows. Um, many orchestras program it as part of their season as part of their concert season. It's a great overture, one of the great Verdi overtures. Just fantastic. After its premiere, um, there was some revisions that took place. It went abroad to Rome. More revisions. They even changed the title to Don Alvaro. Uh, performances followed in Madrid, 
eventually in New York, Vienna, Buenos Aires, and London. And, um, and then, but the standard version, the version we're going to hear tonight, uh, was first performed February 27th, 1869 at La Scala Opera House in Milan, Italy. And I think you're going to enjoy it. I can't wait to play it for you. In Act One, this opera takes place in Spain and Italy around 1750. In the overture, the music begins with the opera's fate motif, an ominous three-note E unison in the brass. You will hear this little motif representing fate, much like the light motifs of Wagner. It's another compositional device that composers used after Wagner. Also, Puccini used it to great effect. In Act One, Don Alvaro, a young nobleman from South America, presumably Peru, we think he was from Peru, um, has settled in Seville, Spain, where he is looked down upon by many because of his Inca background. There, he and Dona Leonora, the daughter of the Marquesa del Caltrava, have fallen in love. But the Marquesa violently opposes the match, and he feels that it's dishonorable and beneath her to see this man. Now, he believes that she's been seduced by this man, notwithstanding her tender regard for her father, who, until now, has always been kind to her. Leonora is ready to give up family and country in order to elope with Don Alvaro. Aided by her confidant, Cura, she prepares to leave. When Alvaro arrives to get her, however, Leonora hesitates, begging for one last day with her father. Alvaro is stunned, releases her from their engagement, saying that she cannot love him as much as he loves her. Leonora then relents, and they agree to escape as planned. But at that moment, the Marchese suddenly enters and discovers the couple together. Assuming the worst, he draws his weapons and threatens the young man with death. To remove any suspicion as to Leonora's purity, Alvaro surrenders himself, and our Alvaro pulls his gun out and throws it to the floor, showing that he does not want a conflict. Unfortunately, the gun was loaded, and the gun goes off, mortally wounding the Marchese, who dies, uttering his last words, a curse on his daughter. Horrified at this turn of events, the horrified lovers rush out of the room, ending the rather short Act One of tonight's feature opera, Giuseppe Verdi's masterpiece, La Forza del Destino. So, gun safety is very important. So, a lapse of gun safety um, is what basically gets our opera started. <laughs> so, be careful. In the role of the uh, Marchese of Calatrava is Ernesto Dominici, Donna Leonora, our soprano, Maria Caniglia, 
Don Carlos de Vargas, the baritone, is sung by Carlo Tagliabue. Our tenor, Don Alvaro, is sung by Galanio Massini. We will have other singers, uh, Ebe Stagnani uh, and Tancredio Pasero as the padre, uh, but we'll mention those in the next act. The orchestra and chorus of EIAR of Turin was conducted by Gino Marinuzzi. Again, this is a Checher recording, which was remastered by Warner Music of Europe, recorded in 1941, and it was published in 1942. Here is the overture in Act One of tonight's feature opera, La Forza del Destino by Giuseppe Verdi. And before we get to the opera, I want to send a great big at the opera hello out to some students of mine at Meadow Vista Live Oak Waldorf School, who I know who are listening tonight. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Act One of La Forza. Enjoy.
Oh, my God. 
And there we have it, action-packed and to-the-point short act one of tonight's feature opera, The Force of Destiny, La Forza del Destino by Verdi. Those are some great voices, compact, great technique. I bet that I can tell the recording engineers were having a field day trying to figure out how to record that tenor. His voice had so much, the Italians have a word for it. It's called squillo, or bite, or edge on the voice, that you can tell that the, the microphones back in this 1941 recording um, are, tr- are, are struggling to capture. The other voices sound pretty good, but man, that tenor, what a ring in that voice, real bite. Um, and you want that as a singer. You want to cut through the orchestra. But in this old recording, it's cutting through those mics. <laughs> but it's, I think it's a great recording. We're hearing recording from 1941 with conductor Gino Marinuzzi. And uh, we just heard singers, the Marchese Calatrava, who is now deceased, was sung by Ernesto Dominici, his daughter, now disgraced and cursed by him, Donna Leonora, was sung by Maria Caniglia, and uh, Don Alvaro, our now fated tenor, with uh, who should have kept the safety on, on his gun, sung by Galliano Massini, who is not a tenor that I know, really. I did look his name up, and he had a pretty decent career over in Europe. But what a great voice. I'm going to look for more recordings of his. My name is Sean Bianco, and this is At the Opera. <clears throat> Excuse me. At the Opera here on Capital Public Radio from Sacramento State. This is Capital Public Radio 88.9 KXPR FM and HD Sacramento, 91.7 KXSR Groveland, Sonora, 88.7 KXJS Sutter, and 90.9 KXJZ HD2 Sacramento. This hour of At the Opera with yours truly is made possible by Malcolm McHenry who invites you to join him in supporting Cap Radio's commitment to opera on the air and in the community by making your contribution today. And it's easy to make a contribution. It's easy to become a member. It's easy to support this station and at the opera. Go to capradio.org in the upper right-hand corner on the webpage, click Donate, and you'll see what to do then. It's very easy. All righty. Well, let's just keep rolling along, shall we? Let's go into Act 2 of tonight's feature opera, The Force of Destiny. And we are destined tonight to hear this whole opera and uh, in this great recording, I think, from 1941. Um, recording technology, of course, I think as far as quality, kind of peaked in the late 60s, early 70s for opera. But even in the 1950s and 60s, it, early 60s, it was still very good. And uh, considering that this recording is from 41, 1941, amazing. Um, and thank goodness they still had the master tapes for this. Otherwise, they'd have been transferring it from vinyl, and that would have been a little more uh, challenging, I think. In Act Two, about a year has passed since the death of the Marchese of Calatrava. In their fight, Leonora and Don Alvaro were separated and have lost track of each other, unable to reunite or learn of each other's whereabouts. The act opens in a crowded room, a dining room in an inn, where the guests include the town mayor, several muleteers among them, also gathered in the dining room, is about to be served as well. Leonora's brother, Don Carlo de Vargas, comes into the room, bent on avenging the family honor, and the death of his father. Now, Cardo has disguised himself as a student. 
by the name of Perida. In fact, he says, I am Perida, honorable descendant. During the supper, Preziosila, the gypsy, a pretty fortune teller, joins them and sings a song urging them to enlist in the army for Italy's freedom. Leonora arrives dressed in male attire, accompanied by Trabuco, a muleteer. On their way to a Franciscan monastery where Leonora plans to seek refuge, recognizing her brother, who she knows wants to kill her at this point, she hides. Now, Carlo grills Trabuco about the identity of his traveling companion, but the company lets him know they don't like his prying questions. They turn the tables by asking Carlo who he is. He claims to be a university student, helping a friend track down the friend's sister and her seducer, who, he claims, has returned to his native America. The gypsy girl laughs and says she doesn't believe this over outrageous story. Overhearing this, Leonora realizes that Alvaro must be still alive. She concludes he has betrayed and abandoned her at this point, and she slips away without being noticed. In Act 2, Scene 2, at a nearby monastery, outside the monastery of the Madonna of Angels, Leonora, seeking sanctuary in solitary atonement, has come to take refuge in the monastery, intending to live the rest of her life as a hermit. After a somewhat surly reception by a friar, Friar Melitone, she tells the abbot Padre Guadriano her true name and her wish to spend the remainder of her life in the monastery hermitage. The abbot recounts the trials she will have to undergo, the Padre agrees to direct her to a secret cave in the mountains where he alone will bring her food and where she will find a bell which she is to ring only in times of great danger or if she is on the point of death. Leonora, the Padre Guadriano, Friar Melatone, and other monks join in prayer as she is formally accepted to tenant of the new hermitage. In this act, Dona Leonora is sung by Maria Canilia, Don Carlos de Vargas, her brother, sung by baritone Carlo Talibue. We don't hear from our tenor in this act, Don Alvaro. The gypsy Preziosila is sung by the great Italian mezzo Ebe Stegnani. Padre Guardiano is sung by Tancredi Passero. Fire Melatone is sung by Saturno Meletti. Cura is sung by Liana Avogadro. And Maestro Trabuco is sung by Giuseppe Nessi. The orchestra and chorus of Turin is conducted by Gino Marianuzzi in this remastered 1941 Cetera recording. Here is Act 2, Scenes 1 and 2, of tonight's feature opera, Verdi's The Forza del Destino, The Force of Destiny. Enjoy Act 2.
Cristina con le insulta, venne per il giubileo, non so, peraltro è gallo pur gallina, dei viaggiatori non vado che al donaro, molto prudente, molto prudente, ed è la che giungere la vide, perché a cena non viene, signoro, dissero chiedersi a quei d'aceto, <ride> per pescarsi, <ride> e perché gentile senza barba, non so nulla, non so nulla, non, non vuol, ancora lei, stava sul mulo seduto a cavalcioni, che noia, Oh, <laughs> 
Amen. 
Very dramatic and moving scene there at the end of Act Two of tonight's feature opera, Verdi's La Forza del Destino, recording from 1941. Remarkably clear recording. You can hear the voices. Their, their voices have so much detail in them. And the recording may not have the expansive stereo quality that we're used to, but these early mono recordings of the early 1940s that were produced by Cetra in Italy really did capture the essence of the voices beautifully. So and this is amazing, an amazing performance. Everyone is giving their all, and it's lovely. And the conducting also is wonderful by Gino Martinucci, uh, Martinuzzi, excuse me. Uh, and uh, I've been trying to pin down Orchestra and Symphony and Chorus della EIAR of Turin. Um, and I'm wondering if they were they were another division of RAI, which is another radio um, radio television organization in Italy. Uh, but they delineate the letters with, with a period, E dot I dot A. So I'm trying to figure out where this orchestra was. I've been uh, searching the uh, internet, and uh, there's plenty of recordings of this orchestra. I'm just trying to find out, you know, who they were. But anyway, in the cast, we heard as Padre Guardiano, Tancredi Passero, what a great voice, my goodness, Friar Melatone, Saturno Meletti, the Gypsy Preziosila in scene one, Ebe Stegnani, Don Carlos de Vargas, Carlo Talibue, and Dona Leonora, now a hermit, under the care of the Padre and the other monks, Maria Caniglia. Recording from 1941. Giuseppe Nessi sang the role of Mastro Trabuco, and Cura was sung by uh, Liana Avogardo. My name is Sean Bianco, and this is At the Opera here on CAP Radio. Thank you for tuning in on this blustery, rainy night. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're nestled in warmly at home with a blanket listening to the opera. And um, if you're new to opera, maybe you're one of my students who tuned in tonight. Welcome. But yeah, um, opera is not something on a lot of people's radar, and I know that. But I need you out there in Radioland to spread the word. Um, We're hearing an opera here written in the late 19th century. Next week, we're going to be hearing an opera written um, back in the um, in the 16th century. Opera's been around a long time, you know, 500 years, give or take. And I think um, it's an it's an art form worth keeping alive and investigating and always renewing interest in. Yeah, next week we're going to be hearing Claudio Monteverdi's La Orfeo, the the French version of uh, Orfeo and Eurydice legend, uh, the love story of those two that have been told so many times, both in print and also in music, starring Anthony Rolf Johnson as Orfeo and Julian Baird as Eurydice. John Elliott Gardner in the Monteverdi Choir. That'll be next week on At the Opera, La Orfeo. And it's one of my wife's favorite, favorite uh, recordings. All right. Well, let's see. Stay care is in business from Sacramento State. This is Capital Public Radio, 88.9 KXPR-FM and HD Sacramento, 91.7 KXSR, Groveland, Sonora, 
88.7 KXJS Sutter and 90.9 KXJZ HD2 Sacramento. This hour of At the Opera with yours truly is made possible by John and Lois Crow, who invite you to join them in supporting Cap Radio's commitment to opera on the air and in the community by making your contribution today. And it's easy to make a contribution. Go to capradio.org, click the donate button, and just do it. What are you waiting for? If you've been waiting to become a member, you can do it like five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month. It's easy. Go evergreen. I know this isn't a fun drive. And you don't have to wait. There is another misconception in public radio. People think you have to wait until a fun drive to, to log in or call in or whatever or write in um, to become a member or to give um, a contribution to a public radio station. No. 24-7, 365 days a year, anytime, day or night, any time of the year, you can do it. Why wait? Why wait for the fun drives? Do it now. All right. Well, we have to have the fun drives because, you know, a few times a year, just to remind you, right, how we stay on the air. And we do it by you, the public of public radio. All right. Let us move on. Let's move on. Yes, moving on. Act three. Well, let's see. Meanwhile, back in the tavern, or the cavern, meanwhile, Alvaro, believing Leonora to be dead, remember in Act 2 she thought he was dead, and then she finds out he's actually alive. Well, meanwhile, Alvaro, believing Leonora is dead, has joined the Spanish army under the name of Don Federico and has distinguished himself for bravery. Although... At the beginning of Act 3, he does sing one of the most difficult tenor arias ever written. Life is a hell to an unhappy man. Oh, you who dwell with the angels, he sings of Leonora. Oh, tu que inseno angeli. Beautiful, beautiful aria. Difficult, difficult aria and long. Um, he is interrupted by cries of help and rescues a man from two assassins. Who is this person he's rescuing? Of course it is. Of course it's Don Carlo, Leonora's brother, who has newly joined the same regiment. Go figure. Also under an assumed name, Don Felix Bornos. The two men become friends and march off side by side to fight in the battles. And uh, they fight in a battle which actually occurred in 1744, called the Battle of Velatri, which I don't have time to go into, but it was an actual battle. In scene two of Act Three, in the officer's quarters, Alvaro is brought in to the officer's quarters, gravely wounded in his chest. Thinking he is about to die, he entrusts the key to a casket to his friend Don Felix, who actually is Don Carlo. Um, the box contains a packet of letters which Alvaro says contain a secret. He makes his friends swear to burn them without reading them. Well, he swears, he makes him swear to this in this amazing duet. Soren Questora. You must swear to me in this solemn hour to carry out my wish. Well, Felix, or Don Carlo, assures Alvaro that he won't die and that he will be decorated with the Order of Calatrava for his bravery. At the name of Calatrava, Alvaro 
shudders and exclaims, No! Carlo is taken aback. He's now afraid that perhaps this Don Federico may be Alvaro. Just might, in truth, be the mysterious seducer who killed his father. He resolves to look at the letters to settle his doubts. He does so. Well, he sings, Mori tremenda cosa, urna fatale del mio destino, to die in immense thing, begone fatal vessel of my destiny. As his wounded friend is taken away on the surgeon's stretcher, he opens the casket, finds his sister's portrait, and realizes that Alvaro's true identity is, in fact, Don Federico. Oh, boy. At that moment, at that very moment, the surgeon comes in and says, he will recover, he will live. And then Don Carlo exults at the prospect of avenging his father's death. Oh, what a tangle web we weave, my goodness. But that's opera. It's opera, folks. This is what opera does. Ties your brain in knots and, and uh, makes love to you with your heart and the music on heart on your sleeve. Just has everything. It has everything. What can I say? In scene three, having recovered, Alvaro is confronted by Carlo. They begin to duel, but are pulled away from each other by the soldiers. As they restrain Carlo, the anguished Don Alvaro vows to enter a monastery. No, oh, he should have stayed and fought. The soldiers gather. Trabuco the peddler tries to sell them his wares. Fire Melatone chastises them for their godless ways, and Preziosila the gypsy leads them in a chorus in praise of the military life. Rataplan, rataplan, de la gloria. Rum-tum-tum on the drum is the music that makes a soldier's martial spirit rise, she sings. And uh, Act 3 ends on a rather up-spirited note. Kind of cool. But all of this unresolved stuff going on. You know, Act 3 can't be the end of it. Mm-mm. Act 4. But we haven't come to that yet. <laughs> Let's have Act 3 first. Has a great aria, a great duet, a great another great aria for the baritone. And before we get back to this cast, we're going to hear primarily in this act, uh, Carlo Talibue as Don Carlo and, and Galliano uh, Massini as Don Alvaro. Uh, and uh, I think the surgeon is sung by um, or spoken by Dario Caselli, conducted by Gino Marinuzzi, 1941. Um, so in the moment in this act, when the baritone, when Don, uh, Don Carlo uh, realizes who Don Alvaro is, he sees the picture of, of his sister, Leonora, and he is getting ready to just get all fired up and say, that's it, he's mine, I'm going to take him out. It is exactly at that moment, exactly, 1960, at the Metropolitan Opera, when the great American baritone, Leonard Warren, in front of a full house audience, who was singing Don Carlo that night, dropped the locket from his hand 
the picture of Leonora on stage. It crashed to the floor to a million pieces, and the great Leonard Warren fell flat on the stage and died. That really happened in front of a shocked audience. They closed the curtain. They called for an unplanned intermission. They called everybody back into the house. General Manager Rudolph Bing walked out onto the stage, asked everyone to rise for the passing of the great Leonard Warren in the performance. One of the only performances at the Met that was never finished occurred. Happened during this opera, during an opera called The Force of Destiny, The Fate of Destiny. My goodness. Opera, drama, on stage and in real life happens a lot. That's being one of the most dramatic examples I just gave you. And I've played La Forza with Leonard Warren. Um, but it's been a long time. Maybe I'm overdue for another La Forza. Maybe I shouldn't wait so long. All right. Let's go back to the opera. Carlo Talibue as Don Carlo. Don Alvaro is sung by Galliano Mazzini. Preziosile is sung by Ebe Stegnani. Padre Guardiano, Tancredi Passero. And Saturno Meletti is sung by Fire Melatone. Here we go. Here is Act Three of tonight's feature opera, Giuseppe Verdi's The Force of Destiny, La Forza del Destino. Enjoy.
vita chi erano assassini presso al campo così branco di rocco al terco al gioco comprendo colà a destra sì ma come si nobile d'aspetto a quella visca scendeste nuovo sono con ordini del general solieri giunsi senza voi morto sarei ordite a chi debbo la vita al caso ria il mio nome dirò non so più il vero don felice de bornos aiutante del duce io capitan de granatieri don federico herrero la gloria dell'esercito signore io l'amistà ne ambio la chiedo e spero io pure nella vostra caro fiero amici in vita in morte il mondo il mondo ne vedrà
vita che ha nel petto mi spaventa
ci aggiustiamo chi per ogni pezzo do 30 soldi quanta furia ci intenderemo qualche altro soldo va
And there we have Act 3 of tonight's feature opera, Giuseppe Verdi's The Force of Destiny, La Forza del Vestino, recording from 1941, that was uh, digitally transferred in the year 2000 by the Warner Company, who took possession, I believe, of the master tapes of these old Chetra recordings from the 40s and the 50s. I'm um, not bragging, but I have to say that I'm the proud owner of uh, pretty much, I think almost, yeah, pretty much, the entire Chetra original vinyl box collection of operas from the 1940s and early 50s. I came across them at a record sale, and I'm looking at them, and I'm like, this is the whole set. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I snagged them, and uh, and they all of them, original, first printing, first edition vinyl from the 40s and 50s, and they still sound great. You, it's amazing. And I believe I actually have this particular recording as well in my collection, although I have to say it sounds better on the CD than it does my vinyl. But here we have it, 1941 recording, and we've been hearing the voices of Ebe Stegnani as Preziosilla, Fraia Melotone sung by Saturno Meletti, Padre Guardiano was sung by Tancredi Passero, what a voice on that guy. Also, Donna Leonora, Maria Caniglia, Don Carlos, Carlo Taliabue, and Don Ovaro, uh, Galliano Massini. Gino Martinuzzi, the uh, Marinuzzi, excuse me, uh, the uh, conductor of this recording with the orchestra, symphony, and chorus of Turin back in the day. Still can't find any information on this organization. The Orchestra Sinfonica e Coro del IEIAR of Turin. I'm thinking they might be, they might have been an early uh, car- incarnation of. Um, of RAI, the other, the later, um, more modern television radio organization in Italy, which is still around today, um, the early, like the early version of CBS. It was uh, they were everywhere, or NBC, uh, first on radio and then on television. But nevertheless, I'm glad they made this recording. I'm happy they did, uh, and uh, I hope you are too. Again, I have to, I have to say, hats off to this tenor, Galliano Massini. Wow, what a voice! just cuts right through everything. I could listen to that voice all day. And I want to point out something else. One of my big pet peeves about modern opera singers is many of them don't sing in tune at all. And uh, what I mean by that is when you're a singer and you're looking at a note on a page in a score written by a composer, in this case, Verdi, and you go to sing that note, And your voice, the vocal noise or sound that you produce, does not accurately represent the note on the page. Um, Then as far as I'm concerned, you're not only are failing the intent of the composer, but you're failing what it means to be a singer. Uh, I'm pretty harsh on this point, and I don't don't care. Um, A lot of the horribly out-of-tune singing that I hear these days in modern opera singers I think is largely due to, to incomplete technique, um, rushed careers, wanting to get to the stage quickly to make money before the voice goes. Um, and what makes their voices so out of tune is their vibrato. The vibrato. The, uh, 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 that sound. Um, and now today, 
in the in the broadcast of uh, Fedora that we heard this morning from the Metropolitan Opera, Lucas Meacham, wonderful American baritone, spot on, great voice, sings very in tune. Bravo, Lucas. The soprano who was singing um, Fedora, the voice gets a little bit unwound, and sometimes I can't hear the note she's singing because her vibrato is so pronounced. Sometimes, most of the time she was fine, but at times I couldn't tell what note she was singing. Um, Pietro Bakchala, the, the Polish uh, tenor who was doing Loris, um, very good, very good. But over the last, I would say, three or four years, every time I've heard Bakchala sing, his voice seems to be getting a little bit looser and looser, and that vibrato is starting to, again, corrupt the actual pitch of the voice. What I notice about a lot of, the, a lot of these um, older singers is the vibratos aren't intrusive. They're, they're, they are rather fast, a lot faster than they are now. It was, it was common back then. And the intonation of their voice, their voice was right in the center of the pitch. And I don't think I'm being unreasonable when I'm listening to a singer to want to hear them sing the accurate note written by the composers. I don't think this is too radical of, a, of, a, of an ask or a suggestion or even a desire to actually hear the notes on the page, not versions of the note. When they sing one note, their vibrato is encompassing like four notes. No, I just, I'm, it's been a pet peeve of mine. Um, and, you know, I used to sing a whole lot. I don't sing a whole lot much these days. I sing a little bit, do a little bit of teaching. But I've noticed even in my own voice that, that as I get older, that I have to be careful of that happening. And, of course, when I get to the point where I, I don't feel I can honor the note on the page, I'll stop singing because it's, it's just not fair to the composer. Okay, that is my soapbox spiel or speech regarding pitch and singers. And that's why I love these old recordings, because a lot of the singers back in the 30s and 40s and early 50s, their voices were just like laser beams when it comes to the pitch, the intonation of their singing. And as a musician, myself, not only a singer, but also instrumentalist, I'm a violin player, it really bugs me when I hear singers who you can't tell what note they're singing. All you hear is this big sort of oscillating wave of noise or sound, and somewhere in there, there's a note, if you dig for it. Yeah, I don't enjoy that. Okay, um, now, I'm sure that'll ruffle a few feathers, but think about what I've just said. What do you have to say about what I just said? Send me an email or something. Um, argue the other side. If you don't agree with me, that it's not that it's not that it, if you if you if you are of the opinion that it's not important for the singer to sing accurately the note on the page, I would love to hear your argument for the other side. Okay, from Sacramento State, this is Capital Public Radio, eighty-eight nine KXPR FM and HD Sacramento, ninety-one seven KXSR Groveland Sonora, eighty-eight seven KXJS Sutter, and ninety point nine KXJZ HD two Sacramento. This hour about the opera, with yours truly is made possible by Joel Karish, who invites you to join him in supporting Cap Radio's commitment to opera on the air and in the community by making your contribution today. Remember, opera is a spectator sport, and we are all entitled to our own opinion. The opinions of this host do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Capital Public Radio or any of its affiliates regarding opera singers. There, I said it. Okay, let's... Um, 
shall we move ahead? Yes, let us get into this fourth and final act. Impoverished peasants from the region approach Fire Melitone at the monastery for food, and Padre Guardiano gently scolds the friar for his less-than-charitable behavior towards them. Don Carlo then approaches, having learned of the presence of Don Alvaro there, under the name of Father Raphael. Remember, Don Alvaro went to a monastery at the end of Act 3, or sometime during Act 3. And he changed his name, Father Raphael. Alvaro has indeed entered the monastery near which is Le- near, which is Leonora's cave. So he's in the same monastery that Leonora originally sought shelter in. Alvaro offers peace to Carlo, but when Carlo taunts him as a half-breed brother takes up the challenge and the two rush from the monastery. This ain't going to end well. Oh, dear. Leonora, longing for a peaceful release of death, restates her love for Alvaro and begs God for peace. In one of the most famous and difficult soprano arias, Pace, Pace, Mio Dio, Peace, O Mighty Father, Give Me Peace, the duel between the two men spills over into the neighboring crags in the vicinity of Leonora's isolation. Upon hearing the clashing of swords, she takes refuge in the cave. Carlo is mortally wounded by Alvaro, who invades the hermitage, the hermit's sanctuary to request the last offices or um, the last uh, wishes of a dying man. Leonora and Alvaro recognize each other. Alvaro tells her of what has happened, and she rushes to embrace her dying brother. As she bends over him in true operatic fashion, wait for it, Are you sitting down? Wait for it. He stabs her in the heart. Yes, the father kills Leonora. The brother kills Leonora. The father superior, oh, I love opera. The father superior who has come to answer to Leonora's alarm bell orders Alvaro to stop cursing fate and to humble himself before God. The dying Leonora joins him in this plea, and Alvaro declaims that he is now redeemed. Now, not to put a too fine a point on over-the-top melodrama, but get a load of this. In the original version of La Forza del Destino, the first vision, the version, overcome by the guilt of having killed or caused the death of the Calatravas, because think about it, Don Alvaro's gun he threw down killed the dad. His relationship with Leonora eventually caused her death, and he caused the death of her brother, Don Carlo. Because of the, he is the cause or de- cause of the death of the Calatrava's family, Alvaro jumps to his death in the near ravine, cursing humanity as he's, as he's falling over the protests of Father Guardiano. Maybe even Giuseppe Verdi thought that was a bit much. Nah, it probably was. So uh, the opera doesn't end with him jumping in over a cliff, um, which in true operatic sense, I mean, come on, that would be just, that'd be perfect. But it's a great ending anyway. Um, and um, real quick, there's um, 
the, the force of destiny. Some call it the curse of destiny. Over the years, the Forza del Destino has acquired a reputation for being cursed following some unfortunate incidents. In 1960, at the Metropolitan Opera, the noted American baritone Leonard Warren collapsed and died during a performance of the opera. The supposed curse reportedly kept Luciano Pavarotti from ever performing the opera, and the tenor Franco Corelli to follow small rituals before each performance to avoid bad luck in singing the role of Don Alvaro in La Forza. There are even some opera houses in the southern part of Italy who don't even do La Forza because of this superstitious curse they believe is placed on the opera. So there you go. Interesting stuff. All right, here we go. The fourth and final act of tonight's feature opera starring Maria Caniglia, Carlo Tagliabue, Galliano Mazzini, Ebe Stegnani, Pancredi Passero, and Saturno Meletti, conducted by Gino Martinuti. Um, you know, I have not said his name right one time tonight. The conductor is Gino Martinuzzi. There we go. And the orchestra and the chorus of Turin. In this 1941 Chatra recording, that was remastered in 2000 by the Warner Music Group of Germany. Here we go, fourth and final act of the Forza. Listen for those nice, in-tune singers in this act. Listen for it. You'll hear it. It's great. Here we go. Enjoy. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, <laughs> 
Well, with Don Carlo dying at the hand of Don Alvaro, and then Don Carlo's brother kills Leonora's sister. This family was cursed, and it was cursed from Act One, when Don Alvaro threw down his pistol, accidentally went off, and shot and killed Leonora's father. The... Um, the Marquesa Caltrava. Here we are. No one's happy. <laughs> that is the fourth and final act of tonight's feature opera, La Forza del Destino, The Fate of Destiny, The Forts of Destiny, whatever you want to call it, by Giuseppe Verdi, great opera, Giuliano Mazzini, Maria Caniglia, Carlo Taglibue, Ebe Stegnani, Tancredi Passero, Saturno Meletti, all great Italian singers in this cast, and conducted by Gino Maranuzzi. Recording from 1941. And those of you who um, are a bit picky regarding your, I don't know, your uh, acoustic quality or sonic acceptability of recordings uh, for your ears, I apologize. Um, but in, in large part, I thought the recording was very, uh, had a lot of really good incision with the sound. It was very clear. It wasn't muddy. You could hear the singers. And for that, I'm grateful. And I've played far worse recordings on this show over the years, especially live recordings, like the 1951 Aida with uh, Delmonico and Collis, barely listenable. And maybe the uh, Lisbon Traviata with Collis also just, just barely passable. 
My name is Sean Bianco, and this is At the Opera. If you are still awake, then you still love opera. You love opera a lot. Uh, and so does Joyce Ratner. This hour of At the Opera with yours truly is made possible by Joyce Ratner, who invites you to join her in supporting our commitment here at Cap Radio to opera on the air and in the community. By making your contribution today from Sacramento State, this is Capital Public Radio, 88.9 KXPR FM and HD Sacramento, 91.7 KXSR, Groveland, Sonora, 88.7 KXJS Sutter, and 90.9 KXJZ HD2 Sacramento. Next week's feature opera, Monteverdi's Lo Orfeo, a French version, conducted by John Elliott Gardner with a great cast. It's one of the best recordings of Monteverdi's masterpiece of Orfeo and Eurydice, and also is my wife's favorite recording of that opera. Um, so back on January 10th, anyway, that's La Forza. That's it. No more La Forza tonight. I'm out. Hope you enjoyed uh, today's broadcast of Fedora, a very seldom heard opera. And I think our cast did an admirable job. I know I was maybe a little critical earlier about their singing, but I was making a larger point. But in in in, in general, I thought it was a fine performance today from the Met uh, of Fedora, uh, Umberto Giordano's Fedora. And the only other opera we ever hear from Giordano is uh, Andrea Chenier, uh, which certainly gets much more play than Fedora does. Um, but uh, many people only know Fedora for that one aria, Morte Vieta. Anyway which was dispatched very well by Polish tenor Piotr Bakchala. All righty. Next week's feature opera, Underwriters of da da Got the... Okay. On January 10th, it was the birthday of American baritone Cheryl Milnes, who began his career in uh, the late 1950s and made his official debut, I believe, in 1960. Um, and sang all the way until his last performance at the Met, which I believe was 1997 in Aida Isamanazro, I think, was one of his last appearances. Um, suffered a major vocal crisis in the early 80s, 1982, which he did come back from, but his voice never seemed to be the same. Um, and uh, But man, back in, let me tell you something, back in 1973, he was on fire making a slew of amazing recordings for RCA with a great bunch of singers as well. And um, the, all the performances he was doing worldwide in all the great Verdi roles and all the opera singing he was doing in the recording studio, he managed to get into the studio for Decca and did a solo Italian opera recording called Great Scenes from Italian Opera, connected by, the, uh, by Silvio Varviso with the London Philharmonic Orchestra. I had this album on, I had this vinyl record. I wore it out, absolutely wore it out. So uh, in honor of Cheryl Milnes' birthday, and if you don't know that name, S-H-E-R-R-I-L-L, the first name, last name Milnes, M-I-L-N-E-S, one of the great American opera superstars, opera baritone, Cheryl Milnes. And um, here is, uh, I have some time left for potpourri, opera potpourri. Um, in honor of his birthday, which was just uh, four days ago, let's have a little uh, Cheryl Milnes. Here he is doing some music from Ernani and uh, maybe a little bit of music from um, maybe some Don Carlo or something. Anyway, here's the voice of Cheryl Milnes. Happy birthday, Cheryl. He's like 80. What is he now? 84? 85? He's doing great. Here we go. The voice of Cheryl Milnes. This is Opera Potpourri. Enjoy.
Cheryl Milne, celebrating his birthday four days ago, some music from Don Carlo and from Ernani, early in his career recorded with London Symphony Orchestra, Silvio Barviso conducting, and that was 1973, back when he was in his prime. Um, also in 1980, uh, 80, oh, I want to get the right year here, 80, 87, 80, no, 85, um, Luciano Pavarotti gave a concert uh, with... Uh, a concert in uh, in Italy honoring Arturo Toscanini, and it was conducted by his frequent companion on the podium, Emerson Buckley. And we're going to hear here uh, three very popular pieces sung by Luciano Pavarotti, O Sole Mio, Torna Sorrento, and Nessun Dorma. This is Luciano Pavarotti in concert. Apropos Paris, enjoy.
cosa na giornate sole na riasserena dopo na tempesta per aria fresca fare già na festa che bella cosa na giornate sole
Shut up. 
Oh, thank you, Pavarotti, for that wonderful voice. That was a live performance, obviously, with Emerson Buckley in the Symphony Orchestra of Emilia Romana from 1987. My name is Sean Bianco, uh, and uh, I think you know what um, that means when I say those words at this hour. Once again, you've spent your Saturday evening with me, so thank you. Hope you enjoyed La Forza del Destino, next week's feature opera, Monteverdi's Le Orfeo, the French version of Orpheus and Eurydice. And uh, yeah, be another great show next week with Potpourri and a feature opera. Hope you enjoyed the Cheryl Milnes, a little birthday tribute to Cheryl. And of course, we heard a 1941 recording tonight from Chetra of the Forza del Destino, the Force of Destiny. And hope you enjoyed that. I know I did. And have a good week. It's going to be, uh, the weather out there is going to be a little unsettled, but I think we're going to have a break here soon. And, uh, but, you know, we need all that water. We really do here in California. So keep it coming. Keep it coming. Thanks again for all the letters and cards this year, and thank you so much for your support of this program at the Opera and for what we do here at Capitol Public Radio. And I'll see you also next week for the Met broadcast of Le Isir de More as well. And next week with Orfeo by Monteverdi. Don't work so hard, don't drive so fast, and as always, keep opera in your heart. Be back next week with Monteverdi. Honey, put the kettle on. I'm coming home. Take care. And good night. <laughs>